I'm Jocelyn, and this is The Long, Long Overdue, Overdue, a show about libraries. And each episode, we will feature a special guest in a short conversation. Focusing on the Soros Library and beyond. So today's guest is Scott Cup. He's the Director of Life at the Office of Internal Audit here at Soros. He is also the gracious donor of our comic book collection in the library. Scott has lived in a variety of places, but he grew up mostly in San Antonio, and he moved to Alpine in 2016. Scott is also a writer of sci-fi and mystery, as well as um, he ran a bookstore in Austin called Adventures in Crime and Space. Scott, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. I'm looking forward to all of this. Yeah. I could talk yeah. about all these subjects. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Yeah, definitely. It's great to have you on the show, especially have the esteemed donator of the comic book collection here with us honestly yeah I've, I've heard so much about you as being this great guy and read some interviews so I feel very privileged to have you on the show today it's so cool <laughs> well it's good to be here I mean I love Sol Ross and yeah I like dealing with people in it and I have a lousy phone time <laughs> <laughs> that's okay that's okay that happens I've had people calling me and texting me during the show and I get it to my watch and so it's like <laughs> You're constantly seeing it. Yeah, there. yeah, exactly. Well, I see, so that's, that's the difference between 20th century uh -huh. and 21st century. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Phones versus wearables, I think is wearables. what they call them. Wearables. Anyway, so we'll dive right into the questions if you're ready. Let's go. All right, sounds like a plan. So, Scott, what do libraries mean to you? Libraries are places that I went just to get away from the world. When I was in high school, I frequently would bypass lunch, go to the library, read books in there, and keep my lunch money to go buy books. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun thing to do. I have my own personal library. Mm -hmm. It's 25,000 books or so right now. Wow. Oh, wow. And it's uh, in no order at all. Great. That, you know, I believe in serendipity. Mm. If yeah. I'm meant to find a book, it will leap out at me and say, read me now. I love I that. Love that That's that a is way to do totally it. my attitude, and I yeah. do not fit in with libraries because of what with librarians <laughs> because of that. I'm like, meh. I mean, your organization should be user centric, right? And since mm -hmm. you're the user of your library, you have it organized just so. Yeah. yeah, organized. organized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we use serendipity as our main god. I love that. That's awesome. Honestly. I'm going to start telling Kenny that when he's like, "Why are your clothes all over the floor?" I'm like, "It's serendipity." It's serendipity. If I'm meant <laughs> to put those clothes into the dirty laundry, they'll they'll make it there. They'll make it there. So <laughs> if you're meant to wear it, it will leap out on top exactly. and just say, "Me." Exactly. Me. Oh, I love that. I have a new <laughs> life philosophy. It's perfect. Perfect indeed. So you talked about how much you love Sol Ross and you've talked about how important libraries are to you. How does our library specifically fit into that frame? Your library is rather unique. I mean, uh, the town library is so-so. Okay. <laughs> the Sol Ross library is bigger and more organized mm -hmm. and it has a lot more stuff. Yeah. And I love stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That you know, I like seeing it. I like having my books. Well, here, they're close to me. I'm like 200 yards from being in the library mm -hmm. on a normal day. Yeah. If I'm at home, I'm half a mile from the main town library. Yeah. And they don't have the amount of shelf space you do. No, they do not. And they have to keep rotating things in and out mm -hmm. because... You know, that's just the way a modern library is. Right. And my library is anything but modern. <laughs> <laughs> that I have stuff that I've had since um, probably the late 60s. Wow. Wow. And it's, you know, stays with me. But recently, I was sitting at home, and at home I have this big bookshelf right directly in front of my main chair. It's right next to the TV. It's seven shelves. They're each about three and a half feet long. And it was filled with comic-related stuff. Mm. It had 
all these DC and Marvel reprints. It had a lot of weird stuff, uh, books about comics. Uh, and I, I looked at it one day and I'm going, you know, I haven't touched a book on those shelves in a couple of years. And, you know, it's, they're nice, but I would rather other people have a chance to see them and to experience them and to love them and pet them and call them George. Yeah. All those <laughs> things. And uh, so I talked with April at the library and I said, I've got all these books. And she goes, yeah. I said, would you be interested in five or 600 books about comics? And she's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so I got together, I want to say it was like eight boxes wow. uh, of books, put them all in my car. I had entered them into a, a spreadsheet and brought them to her. And it took them most of a year to get through them and to get them all out on the shelves. And they're yeah. all nice and together. And I can come over and pet them and see them, mm -hmm. and, you know, scratch under their chins. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Make sure they're doing good. It yeah. does. Yeah. And I had several people who knew about this, including some professors who came by and said, whoa, I like this. Yeah. I like this a <laughs> lot. And so after I did that the first year, I did it again. Nice. And so I think I have somewhere around seven or 800 uh, comic-related volumes in the library right now. I still have several hundred at home. Wow. It's just what I like to read about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Definitely. And like any good modern librarian, I would much rather have it on the shelf not being looked at than have somebody looking around going, God, I really need to see this or mm -hmm. want to know about mm -hmm. this. So. Since I came in, I started reading comics about the time of the transition from the Golden Age to the Silver Age. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I was seeing things like all the DC superheroes being reinvented. Okay. When I saw the Atom in Showcase, I was just going, whoa. My eyes lit up. Saw Green Lantern. Cool. Stuff like, And I saw the original Marvel stuff start yeah. coming up. The Hulk one, early Fantastic Fours, Spider-Man. Wow. And I just was going, yeah, yeah. I want to read the first 300 issues of Spider-Man yeah. over, over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, you know, a lot of the kids here, they don't know what that was like. Right, mm -hmm. yeah. When you're going into a store and you say, issue number two. Ooh, wonder if I can find a number one mm -hmm. somewhere. Yeah. And give you something to look for and to something to become involved in. Yeah. At you know, one point I had, you know, maybe two or three thousand books at home. Wow. And then in the late sixties my parents said, No, we're not moving them anymore. So I got to keep like five books and all the rest went away for ten cents a piece. Oh jeez. That's tough. That is tough. But they let me keep my, my novels and my other stuff. Okay. That's good. But uh, then I started buying again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just accumulated and accumulated. And I was looking at something the other day, and I ran across a Marvel No Prize that I had won in, like, 1968. Wow. Wow. And somewhere in the late 70s, I managed to see Stan Lee and got him to sign that. And he goes, man, I don't see many of these anymore. And it came in a special envelope. Mm -hmm. And so he signed that too, even though he was limiting the number of signatures mm -hmm. he did. Yeah. Because I'm so old, they were doing this thing, and he was doing it for free. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. That, that didn't stay that way for very long no, afterwards. Sure. I've heard from people that got the chance to meet Stanley, that he was such a sweetheart. He was. Was that your experience? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I really enjoyed meeting him. I've met many of the Marvel and DC creators. My wife was a very good friend to Julia Schwartz at DC Comics, and he would come to San Antonio, or to Dallas at that point we were living, and we would go out to dinner, and he would escort her around, and she would be the, the shill 
you know, keeping certain people away and getting others <laughs> to come over. I love that. And we, we just had a great time. Cool. And he, he introduced me to a lot of cool people. That's awesome. That's awesome. Definitely very awesome. Um, that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. That was a great answer. Definitely. <laughs> um, so what's your history with libraries? What was it like when you were a kid going to libraries? Well, my dad was in the military. Okay. Mm -hmm. So between 1952 and 1960, I lived in Oklahoma, Germany, Maryland, Virginia, Kentucky, Texas, Alaska, and Texas. Oh my God. Wow. I came to Texas the last time in 1962 and I've been here ever since. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it meant school was intriguing. Yeah. I went to first grade in Virginia. I went to three different second grades, two different third grades, one fourth, two fifths, six, seven, eight, nine in the same school district. Okay. And then I moved to San Antonio and finished high school there. That's a lot that of moving. That is a lot. Wow. Which was one of the reasons why I didn't get to keep a lot of the comic the books, books yeah. for a long time. Yeah. But uh, it got me meeting a lot of different and interesting people and seeing a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I enjoyed that part of it. Yeah. Not re reestablishing myself at a school every year, but. Yeah, that's hard. You're the new yeah. kid like every year. Pretty close. Yeah. yeah. That I went from, when I was in junior high, I was the class valedictorian mm -hmm. and was running about a 98% in ninth grade. Then I moved to San Antonio and had no history with the district. Oh, no. So I'm back with everybody else that I, I missed on getting advanced classes oh. on a couple of things. Yeah. Dang. But it was good. Yeah. Very small mm -hmm. school. Everybody there was uh, related to the military. Of course. My dad retired while I was a junior in 1969. Mm. And... We had already moved off base, and my brother and sister had to go to new schools. Okay. But they paid tuition for me to stay in the school I was in because it was a very good school. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. And it also kept a distance between me, the teachers, and my siblings. Oh, good. Because <laughs> my, my brother caught the flack of, well, you're not as good as Scott on some of this stuff. <laughs> oh, man. And you're the was, oldest sibling? Yes. Okay. So... It uh, it was fun, but only because I was the oldest. Right. Yeah. If I'd been the youngest, it would have been, oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not as fun. Cool. Um, what were your school libraries like in those different places? Well, I was in essentially 2A or lower schools. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they were not very big. Yeah. That uh, I, could, I could probably replace every book in any of those libraries out of my own collection right oh, now. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, because mm -hmm. I have a lot of books. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just the, the way it is. I sold 17,000 books in 2007 because I was just, I got to a point where I was just, oh, man, there's books everywhere. Yeah. I couldn't walk into my library. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> well, there, there were books stacked three, four feet high all over the place sure so i got into a funk i called half price books and said look come see me we'll talk yeah and so i sold seventeen thousand books for thirty five thousand dollars cool wow now it doesn't sound like much i mean there was a first edition of uh, martian chronicles in there oh my god that's cool but it was also a torn paperback of Tale of Two Cities, you okay. know. I got $2 for each one of those. Right. Okay. So maybe kind of balanced out. But that first edition of Martian Chronicles, I mean, that, that was probably worth a lot. It was. Yeah. It sold for several thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. Wow. Good. And it was signed. Nice. That and you sold that? Yes. Okay. I was, okay. Just, <laughs> I was just to a point that I was... You just needed to get rid of stuff. I needed to get rid of stuff. I had a lot of signed books. Okay. And part of it is... I love getting signatures. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've met so many authors over the years and gotten so many signed books that saying, okay, I have 
25 different signed Ray Bradbury books. You can probably get rid of a few. <laughs> well, the fun is in finding them. Right. And buying them. Mm-hmm. And st- stimulating the economy as best I can. I like that. And people loved finding these things. For four or five years, Half Price Books had some really cool stuff on their uh, web page. Yeah. From your collection? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. But you know, I, I had a lot of stuff. I collected many, many, many science fiction books. And I got to a point also that I was going, I want mysteries too. Yeah. And I was collecting gold medal paperbacks. I don't know if you've seen many mm-hmm. of these. Mm-mm. They were the standard size paperback, usually about 180 to 200 pages. And they published a ton of them started in the late 40s or early 50s, and I was collecting all the ones under number 2,000. Okay. And when I sold the books, I had about 1,300 of those. They started with issue with number 100, so I had okay. 1,300 of the 1,900 in that run. Wow. And it was always cool. Mm-hmm. I could go into a bookstore and look around, and that little gold spine would stick out, and I'd go, ooh, let's see, do I have this one? Yeah, but I don't care. I'm going to get another one. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, because for many of them, I was buying at ridiculously low prices. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. I was paying a quarter, maybe two for a quarter. And if it was really, really good and somebody was on their game, it might cost me a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> but I just had all this stuff, and there were very, very many fun books that I got to read. That's nice. Because so many of these writers, you know, they, they came out of the, the pulp era mm-hmm. into the initial paperback run. And by about 1960, 1970, many of them had reached their, you know, their full potential. Right. Now, I also am big on science fiction. So I got a lot of signed science fiction. I started going to science fiction conventions and... 1973. Nice. And I've been to at least one every year since then. And in some cases, many. Cool. (laughs) I had a couple of years where I was doing four or five conventions a year. Wow. And very rarely flying. So I would load up my car with whatever I wanted to get signed, Mm -hmm. which was usually a lot of stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And these riders would just go, where did you get all this stuff? That's so cool. <laughs> and had some really good times with some people. I had, yeah. like Phil Farmer, I think I had 45 or 50 different paperbacks of his. Wow. And he was just looking at them going, yeah, some of these I haven't seen in a while. That's so wow, cool. Wow, that's pretty great. Wow. And, you know, and then I went to a couple of the world mystery conventions. Mm. And I don't know the mystery writers as well as I do the science fiction writers sure. because mm-hmm. I haven't you know haven't gotten with them nearly as much. Yeah. For some reason Texas was a home for science fiction writers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That when I was in college going to the fabulous University of Texas. Hook'em uh, horns. That's right. Um, <laughs> we had a science fiction club and that club included three or four people who eventually became writers. And Do you they, want to name drop them? Well, I mean, I've known Bruce Sterling since 1973. Wow, that's a long time. And Howard Waldrop or Tom Remy or um, myself, you yeah. know. <laughs> uh, we always would get together, we'd have great parties. Yeah, of course. And wonderful discussions. And it was just always a fun way to do things. Yeah. The mysteries, I didn't have that type of background in, but I knew a lot of the writers. Cool. And I had several good writers who were good friends. Uh, Bill Kreider, especially among them. He was a Texas educator, writer, and collector. And I got many books from him, and we discussed many of them a lot. He bought several of my essays on various writers. Nice. And uh, we just had a great time until he passed on. Mm -hmm. Mm. That happens a lot. Um, yeah. 
somewhere in the late I can't 70s. Tell if that's a joke or not. No, 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 I mean, it's the truth. Yeah, it, it, it is, is the, the truth. truth. I mean, it's the truth. In the late 70s, I met Joe R. Lansdale, who is, uh, he's a force of nature. Cool. Mm-hmm. That he is a writer of westerns, mysteries, science fiction, horror, mm-hmm. nonfiction, and whatever it is that comes out of his pencil or typewriter wow. whenever he sits down. And sometimes you can't get an even idea what it's going to be about. Nice. And uh, I have probably one of the best Lansdale collections in the country. It's not totally complete, but what it's missing is not bad. Okay. okay. That in terms of books, I've got all the books. Nice. Nice. In terms of... Uh, magazines and short stories i've gotten most of them cool mm-hmm. that you know if it was really good it ended up in a book and that's fine yeah and somewhere along the way he's dedicated a couple of those to me so Aww. i oh, have those great. special things in there i love that yeah oh it is it's it's fun when you particularly when he doesn't tell you about it oh yeah and it's a surprise <laughs> <laughs> and you open up the book and it says for scott cup and i'm going Holy cow. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> That's me. That's so cool. Yeah. It's, it's pretty special. Yeah. What was your, when did you start collecting? What was your first collection that you remember yeah. making? Well, I had comic books mm-hmm. from 1962 to about 1967. Mm-hmm. And then my parents made me sell them. So I got a few more over the years. I bought some, like, Doc Savage paperbacks Mm -hmm. a little bit at that time. But really, once I got to college and started meeting people and hearing about things, that's when I really started collecting. Gotcha. So about 1971, 72, I got a lot of stuff. Cool. And I kept that until 2007. And 2007, that was when I had all these books everywhere, and I sold 17,000 in one day. Wow. Wow. And started all over again. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how many I've got right now, but I've got, oh, probably 20,000 now. Mm-hmm. Just picking them back up and going, yeah, I shouldn't have got rid of that. <laughs> <laughs> that happens to me whenever I'm going through my closet and getting rid of clothes. Yeah. And then I'll be like, where did, where did this dress go? I'm like, oh, yeah, I got rid of it. Why did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... it's it's always fun. I mean, I still go to conventions every mm-hmm. year. Uh, this year, I'm going to one devoted to Robert E. Howard. Okay. Do you know Howard at all? He was a Texas pulp writer. Cool. In the 20s and 30s. Nice. That he lived in Cross Plains, which is about 30 miles outside of Abilene. Mm-hmm. And he started selling when he was 16, and he died when he was... 30. Wow, that's so young. Well, it was... There, there were weird external circumstances. Sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, he killed himself. Oh, okay. Oh, that's unfortunate. But um, he's really an amazing writer. You've heard, you've heard of many of the people he's associated with. I'm sure. He, ca- he created Conan the Barbarian. Okay. Oh, wow. And uh, he created Solomon Kane, who was a Puritan fighter... Um, he wrote, I think I've got four volumes of fight stories right now. Cool. That cool. are humorous and, and weird fun. He wrote westerns. He wrote mysteries. Mm-hmm. He wrote horror. He wrote lots of horror. Mm. He loved it. Cool. And uh, about 10 years, 12 years ago, I went to one of the gatherings that they have in Cross Plains, which is where mm-hmm. he was from. Right. And I really enjoyed the people that were there. And we got talking. I did a couple of panels with them. And over the years, I just said, you know, these are, it's a real small, it's got like two or three programs a day. And it runs two days. So yeah. it's, it's not a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the people are, they're really devoted to, mm. to his work. And they love reading it aloud. That each, each Saturday closes with the, a group of people on the bo- on the front porch of his old house, mm-hmm. reading his poem Samaria in various different languages. Oh, nice! To an appreciative crowd, there'll be a 
100, maybe 200 people there at this thing. But it's one I really don't like missing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds very special. Definitely. And then I'll go to Austin for Armadillo Con, which is a convention I helped start mm-hmm. back in the so it was the late 70s. Okay. We meet every year there. I've missed one over the years. Mm. I just was sick that particular weekend. Uh-huh. I was out here. And, you know, Sol Ross and uh, Alpine to Austin's a little bit of a drive. It can yes, be, uh, yes. <laughs> and, as you may have gathered, I'm not 22 anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, 25, you know. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, it's a... Uh, it, it gets to be a long drive. Yeah. Each year a little bit more so. Yes. But I helped start this convention. I was uh, Toastmaster there one year. Wow. And I get to go see a lot of friends. But as I get older, so do they. And not quite as many of them keep coming back. Right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, age is a, is a thing. Yeah. Yep. It's a killer. Yes. And this year I just lost... My best friend who helped oh. start this convention, a guy named Willie Cyros, who has been a Texas fan since the early 70s. And uh, he just fell over dead one day oh. in January. Man, that's pretty recent. Yeah. yeah. So there will be a lot of people there talking about him. I'll be mm-hmm. trying to sell some of his books because mm-hmm. he was the big bookseller there. Okay. Yeah. That he and I had started a, a business was that uh somewhere in the late 90s that we called adventures in crime and space cool we had a bookstore on sixth street in downtown austin wow okay and we had some very good people come through you just never knew who was just going to drop in Mm -hmm. and we had some wonderful signings but it was expensive yeah and the landlord didn't share our enthusiasm Ah. And he wanted money on, like, the first each month. Oh. And sometimes we didn't have that much business. Right. Mm -hmm. So there were several months that Willie didn't get paid at all. And, you know, it was a fun time. Yeah. Uh, We we met some wonderful people and uh, helped encourage the Armadillo Con in Austin. Cool. Which started in the late 70s. And, you know, just... A fun thing to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's fun. Very fun indeed. Um, let's keep going. Yeah, of yeah. course. Next question. Um, Probably that one. Okay, that one. okay yeah. so since you've traveled a lot, obviously due to your father being in the military and just because you've gone to many different conventions over the years, what would you say has been the coolest library you've gone to visit? Ooh. The coolest library I've gone to visit mm-hmm. belonged to a writer and bookseller in Chicago. Mm-hmm. His name was Bob Weinberg. Okay. And I met Bob somewhere in the mid-80s for the first time. And frequently, I, well, I'll say this, I worked for Montgomery Ward for 23 wow. years, nine months, and four days. <laughs> but nobody was counting. Very you know. specific. <laughs> and Montgomery Ward was based out of Chicago. So mm-hmm. frequently, I would find myself up in Chicago or say two weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. And Bob was one of the people I would contact. We would get together and go do dinner or stuff. And he would bring me by his house. Yeah. Now, I have a lot of stuff. <laughs> Bob made me look like a pauper. Wow, okay. Really, that he had, he had pulp magazines mm-hmm. out the wazoo. He had, a compl- he had a complete run of weird tales which is very, very difficult to do. Wow, yeah. And he owned the rights to Weird Tales. Wow. What? How do you manage that? Yeah. He bought it. Okay, (laughs) there you go. bought the rights, okay. (laughs) And he he published a lot of stuff. He wrote a lot of stuff. He had a catalog that couldn't be believed. Yeah. I would go in and say, oh, man, you got any William Hope Hodgson? And Hodgson died during World War I, but he was a horror and specialty writer before that and an early photographer. Cool. He goes, yeah, I got uh, this here, which is a first edition of his 
best novel in a dust jacket. And I've got all the books here. Wow. You know, if you really, really want them, you know, there's going to be commas in those prices. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. <laughs> and you go, yeah, no, I, I, I just like to look at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold them and pet them. Yes. Listen to their purr. Right. We would, we would have fun doing that. Or he would have, he had art in his uh, downstairs. Uh, he had an original page of Flash Gordon art from the 30s. Wow. That had been hand-colored by the artist. Wow. What? And it was just like, it was, oh, two and a half feet by three and a half feet. And uh, it was just blow your mind incredible. Yeah. And wow. you go looking and going. Yeah, and it's just what what he had. There's wow. a science fiction fantasy artist named Virgil Finley that he loved. Cool. He probably had a hundred signed and framed Finleys on his walls, and you just go, yeah. And so it was <laughs> it was always a fun thing to go do, and yeah. he would always have something that he thought I might want. Of course, of course. And I got lots of really cool stuff from him. But mainly, I just loved talking to him and his wife. Unfortunately, he died a couple of years back, and mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, man. Is the Flash Gordon still in his family's possession, or did they sell that? I haven't heard that they sold it, but it would not surprise me. I would be curious what price How it, much went, it for. went for. Yeah. 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 Well, let's say there would be a comma in there, oh, and there would be more might, than... might be a few commas in there. <laughs> more than one digit before, before the comma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But, I mean, since uh, they were doing more than, you know, they're doing one big one a week and six little ones a week, mm-hmm. is, and he did it for 30 years or so, there's, there's a lot of those pictures around. Yeah. But the good ones, yeah, they're, they're noted. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, he'd go, he'd go downstairs, and there was a really nice shadow cover f- from uh, one of the shadow magazines, a Doc Savage, you know, just yeah. cool stuff to look at. Very cool stuff. His That's wife was like, what am I supposed to do with all this stuff? Yeah. So she has friends who were helping her out, and they had a big pulp magazine convention in Chicago each year. Mm-hmm. And one or two of the people there will get some of his stuff and take it up there, and people will go, that's from Bob's collection. Wow, they just know. Ooh, yeah, that's so cool. Well, it's a it's a fun thing to be part of. It's, yeah, you get to be meet all different sorts of people who have different types of collections they want. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you just never know what you're going to find. That's Definitely. true. That's true. Always a treasure trove. Yeah. So, that's the coolest library you visited. What about? I'm trying to figure out how to word this question. What? It, what are some of your favorite comic books? I know that's a very broad question, mm-hmm. but maybe you could talk about your favorite characters or favorite artists from different runs. Well, when I initially started, I loved Spider-Man. Love that. Now, I, I had, I bought Spider-Man number two off the stands Cool. when it came out. I had an Amazing Fantasy 15, which is the origin of Spider-Man, cool. on three different occasions. Nice. Don't have any of those now. Okay. Unfortunately. But I had number two, and then I think the next one I saw was 14, no, 15. And I had 15 to 60-something missing one issue. Okay. You know, it's like, okay, this is fun. Yeah. And I just loved reading about him and seeing the various artists do their thing on it. Yeah. As I got older, I started really getting into the artists and stuff. Then... When I went off to college in the 70s, I began running across stuff like Bernie Wrightson. And Bernie Wrightson was doing Swamp Thing or um, Fafford and the Gray Mouser. Mm-hmm. He did some of those. And I ran into Mike Kaluta, who was doing The Shadow. Cool. And ran into Neil Adams, and he was doing everything. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you just keep going, oh, look at this, look at this. Wow. Over here, yeah. Let's <laughs> let's go for that. Yeah. These were these were the people I was really really getting involved with, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and 
back at the end of my college days, I started getting into selling comic books. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they had the Dallas Fantasy Fair, which was held a couple of times a year, <laughs> usually in a convention center. Mm -hmm. And I was one of the few people there not selling comics. I was selling books. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I was bringing comics that I wanted to get autographed. Sure. And because I knew so many people, I got a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that um, I would get a lot of art, um, just, you know, things that people come by and say, ooh, you got this. Uh, what do you want for that? And I said, well, you got any art to trade? And they go, well, yeah, I got this. And I went, oh, yeah, we, we can work something out here. Cool. <laughs> I like that. And then, you know, get them signed. I still have more than a fair share of those mm -hmm. things hi hidden around the house. Nice. My wife's really not quite sure how much of that I have. Oh, no. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Um, what did you love about Spider-Man? What do you love about Spider-Man? Well, what I loved about Spider-Man initially, and still do, is the fact that he was not a superhero-type character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was the guy that bad things were going to happen to because he was trying to do what was right. Yeah. yeah. And it was wonderful to see how it was going to turn out. And you just never knew. Yeah. Except that it wasn't going to turn out totally right for him. Right. He's kind of an unlucky character. He is. Yep. Um, our next question is, how did you get into comic books? But kind of touched on that but well in 1959 my dad was transferred to Fairbanks Alaska okay mm -hmm. and so I went to Fairbanks with him which had its own issues but <laughs> um, you didn't have a full lineup of TV back then right the TV channels came on at three in the afternoon okay that before that there was nothing whoa <laughs> no today show or anything funky like that. You just, <laughs> you just did, you know, whatever you did until TV came on. And wow. Then you could re read and, and watch things. And uh, I enjoyed that part of it. And I had a lot of friends who, like me, we were on military bases. So right. they had been transferred around a lot and moved. And we would do things. And one of the odd things I collected during that time frame was uh, Classics Illustrated comic books. Cool. They were a little more expensive, mm -hmm. but they were a little bit longer, and sometimes they had great art in them, and sometimes it was okay art. <laughs> <laughs> they all at least had a good story to tell. I like that. Mm -hmm. And for a while, that was all I bought. And then I said, well, you know, maybe, maybe this Blackhawk comic, or maybe Superman, or Doom Patrol, or one of these and it was you know just fun to to get into and yeah. to talk about with the kids at school and then in 1962 I lived in a little town called Iowa Park Texas which is about 10 miles outside of Wichita Falls okay now it's a, a very small school mm -hmm. very small town yeah I think in 62 it had 5,000 people in it the last time I looked, which was about 2012, it had 5,000 people in it. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, you know, well, there's a military base in Wichita Falls, right? No, it's uh, outside of, of uh, Wichita Falls. Closer it's to Iowa Shep Park? Shepherd Air Force Base. Shepherd Air Force okay. Base. Okay. I spent two weeks in the hospital there once. Okay. <laughs> what for? If you don't mind me asking. I had pneumonia. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Really fun stuff. Yeah, super fun. <laughs> have the doctor sit there and say, I want you to stay in bed all day, take the stuff I give you and stuff. And then have the nurse come in at 10 a.m. and say, out of the bed, I want you to make this bed up right now. <laughs> I said, the doctor said not to get out of the bed. She said, I told you to get out of the bed and make it up. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that and, sounds like a military hospital. <laughs> who are you going to argue with? Right. I said, I'll argue with the doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> For sure. But, uh, you know, those, those were fun times. And, you know, you just go in and do what you gotta do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so what we, wanna, we wanna ask this, but specifically about the comic book collection. Oh yeah, so um, if you can recall a lot of the comics that you donated to our collection, what would you say 
is one of the most notable comics in the collection. Hmm. There are lots of really cool yeah. things that yeah. are. Yeah. I mean, if you want to know about the history of comics, mm -hmm. there's a lot of the early Superman, Batman, stuff like that mm -hmm. in the uh, DC Presents and things of that sort. For Marvel, there's all the early uh, Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, Hulk, things like that. Yeah. Thor. I love Thor. Me too. And uh, I love Loki, actually. Well, <laughs> Loki didn't show up for about three issues. He's, I think it's issue three okay. or four that okay. he, he first appeared in. Nice. And you go, whoa. Who's this green guy? <laughs> <laughs> and I also collected a lot of the independent sort of things. Uh, you just never knew who was going to be publishing something weird. Right. Yeah. That uh, I worked for several comic book stores when I was in San Antonio, or Dallas. Not, not in San Antonio, but um, you just would, something would come in and you'd take a look at it and you go, okay, this is odd. <laughs> this is fun. Yeah. First comics or, um, oh, I can't even remember. My brain is slowly going away. Uh, I think that's the case with all of us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there, there are lots of classics illustrated. I still love a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll find myself in the stacks on the third floor, just kind of wandering through the comic book section and just every time I see something new, yeah. I mm -hmm. think, oh my God, we're so lucky to have that on our shelf. It's it's just the whole collection is, is notable and, and remarkable. So Yeah, I, uh, I started watching the uh, the Doom Patrol show that had come out and one day when I'm going through our stacks I see that we have the collection of yeah. Doom Patrol and it, it goes back to like some of the original yeah you go runs. back into um, uh, the early 60s is yeah. when they first started publishing Doom Patrol in My Greatest Adventure <laughs> which was a really interesting title and then mm. yeah it switched over to Doom Patrol somewhere in the issue 90 something range mm -hmm. and they're lots of fun. And yeah, they are, definitely. Even up until like the 2000s, it mm -hmm. got some really weird writers and stuff. Yeah. If you've yeah. watched any of the shows on the cable, you'll see some Grant Morrison type things mm -hmm. in there. And those are weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're fun. Definitely. And the, the TV show or the series they did for, um, who was it? Whatever. The TV show is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Robot Man gets involved in all sorts of weird shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> he does. <laughs> and he's played by Brendan Fraser. Yeah. I love Brendan Fraser. He does a great job playing Robot Man. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's just has no real good sense of anything. No. And uh, it's weird to see how they decided to present it yeah. Because they use some of the classic Doom Patrol stuff, mm -hmm. and then they get Crazy Jane in there. Yeah. And Crazy Jane never was really a good member of the Doom Patrol, mm -hmm. but she had a lot of fun in the series. Yeah. Cool. And if you watch that, and then you turn over and watch some of the, I think it's Teen Titans. Yeah. Mm. You, you get some of the early stuff with Doom Patrol in yeah. there, too. Yeah, so it's, it's fun to watch. Yeah. And you go, okay, I'm, I recall watching Howdy Doody and stuff. Now, if I, if I was that age, I could watch Doom Patrol. <laughs> Times have changed. Yes. Yeah, most definitely. Absolutely. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, before we get to our last questions, um, we heard that you know George R. R. Martin. I've known George Martin since about 1973. How'd you guys meet? That um, I was in Austin going to college. And several of the people in the college were science fiction fans, and we mm -hmm. did a lot of stuff together. And one of them was Lisa Tuttle, who is a major science fiction and horror writer. Mm -hmm. And she and George were working on a book together, a thing called Windhaven. Okay. Okay. And it's a, it's a wonderful little book. And so George would come to town, and he and Lisa would get together, and yeah, there'd usually be a writer's workshop going on on the weekend and stuff. And I would always go to those things. I wasn't very good at writing at that point, but I would always listen. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've known George 
I guess, nearly 40 years, 50 wow. years. What's he like in person? He's a nice guy. Cool. <laughs> he really, really is. Nice. Now, if you try to abuse him or, you know, <laughs> one of his friends or something like sure. that, he will let you know he's not happy. Oh, good. Oh, good. And oh. he can do that quite well. Oh, good. A fierce friend. I fierce like that. Fierce friend, yeah, definitely. That's good. Um, switching gears a little bit, um, do you want to ask? Yeah, so um, now that you've been here for as long as you have here at Soros, what do you love about Soros itself? I, first of all, I love the campus. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of really cool and neat people here. Some of the professors are wonderful. Mm -hmm. I get to, to do things and see things. Um, my boss, love her to death, but she's in Austin, and she comes out here once, maybe twice a year. So that's, that's really nice, too, yeah. because I don't report to the university. I report to the, the, state. Si the system. Cool. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they, they like me. I've, I've been doing audit work for 50 years or so. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm, I'm ready to retire, but mm -hmm. the uh, numbers don't quite equate to that yet. Ah, I see, <laughs> I see. Because I came here with a background in, I did retail audit for 20 years. With then Montgomery Ward? With Warden? Montgomery Ward. Cool. I started there in 1967, and in 2001, they filed for bankruptcy and mm -hmm. liquidation. Mm -hmm. And I went all the way through that liquidation part and got my bonuses and everything else, and then it was like, okay, what do I do next? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I ended up working for uh, Zachary Construction Company. It's a big Texas uh, contractor. Cool. Knew nothing at all about contracting. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know anything about retail when I went to work for Ward. Sure. So, mm -hmm. And at Zachary, I got to, I moved up as much as they were going to move me up. Okay. And then one of the guys I had worked for early had gone on and was working for um, somebody I don't remember right now. Uh, <laughs> they were doing, they were a construction or an audit company out of Houston. Okay. And I went to work for them and I worked for them four and a half years. And then one day they said, you know, you haven't been working a whole lot recently. I said, well, it's because you guys haven't found me work to do. Right. <laughs> and I was living in San Antonio, reporting to a group in Houston, and doing work a lot in Austin. Okay. It was all kind of weird, and then one day they yeah. just said, you know, I think we're just going to cut our losses and do this. I went, okay, you know, whatever you need to do, mm -hmm. let's do it. And then I went to work for um, AT&T. Okay. Mm -hmm. I worked for AT&T for about three years. And there was just not a real good fit there. Sure. Mm. I, I love the people I was working with, but not the bosses. Okay. No. Yeah. The big boss in uh, Dallas was a jerk. Okay. <laughs> no easy way to put that. Yeah. Just like, and then one day I just got to a point where I'm sitting there going, okay, if I run the car into the bridge over here, uh, you know, I won't have to do this stuff. <laughs> And it's like, no, that's really not what I want to be doing. Yeah. No. So uh, I stayed up one, all one night making my plan and went to work at like 5 in the morning, cleaned out my desk, left my computer and stuff on my boss's desk, mm -hmm. and went home. Love that. It was not an easy thing to do. Cause, yeah. You know, living with no income coming in is not a good thing. No, no not at all. And so I, I ended up being a uh, auditor for hire for a couple of years. Nice. Mm -hmm. I worked for, um, let's see, I did some insurance company stuff. I did a telephone company. I did uh, oh, just various odd things that they would say, call me up and say, why don't you go do this? So I was working three, four months out of the year, yeah. which does not do your savings any joys no, no 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 and then finally one day it was like okay i'm having to buy my insurance here and it's getting expensive yeah 
One year it was twelve hundred dollars a a month. Ah, Whoa. no, no. The next year was fifteen hundred dollars a month. See, that's what I'm considering <laughs> veering left into oncoming traffic, but. And then it got to eighteen hundred dollars a month. Mm. Oh man! And I said, you know, I got to have a real job with real benefits. Yeah, yeah. that's the best part about working here is so, state benefits. Yeah. Pretty juicy. That's. I had had somebody tell me about working for the Texas state system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, let's go ahead and I'll filling out applications and put one in on a Tuesday. I got the first call on Thursday, a second call on Saturday. Then I talked with them more the next week. Then I went to Las Vegas for a week, came back, <laughs> went to Austin for an, a job interview. Mm -hmm. And they said, yeah, well, let's, let's go out to Alpine and have an interview out there. And it yeah. took three weeks to schedule that. Yeah. Wow. And then went out there. Uh, when I, I drove up on Tuesday. On Wednesday, I met with everybody here at the university. On Thursday, they offered me the job. On Friday, I drove back to San Antonio and started getting ready. Yeah. And then the 1st of May that year, I joined up and drove to Corpus Christi because we were having an audit conference there. Nice. So I spent five days in Corpus Christi on somebody else's dime, which is always a good thing yeah, to do. That sounds wonderful. And then on Monday the next week, I drove out here, met up with uh, Brandy, and got set in a, one of the one of the cabins out here, and uh, started looking around. While we were out here interviewing, my wife and I had looked around for a possible house. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We found one. We made an offer on it while we were here. And they accepted the offer the next week. Cool. So then it was just a matter of trying to sell our house in San Antonio, right. which never happened. We, I still have that house in San Antonio. Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> and I have a house here. Okay. Which is not really the best way to, you know, no. <laughs> improve your life. No, no, not at all. But my nephew, who is a comic book writer and artist, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, is renting the house in San Antonio. Cool. So I only lose a little bit of money each month instead right. of a full full value. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's you know, yeah. and he, he keeps it nice and clean and That's the neighbors good. love him. That's good. And I still have that house there and this house here. Yeah, so now when you retire you have options. Right. <laughs> it's like, do I want to live out in Alpine the rest of my life? Mm, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually our next question. And our final question is, what do you love about Alpine? You've been here about seven years. Is that right? It's six years. Six, six years. years. Alpine is filled with wonderful people. Yes. I love a lot of business workers out here. I, I love the students I've met and worked yeah. with. I love a lot of the uh, faculty and stuff I've worked with out here. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really interesting. It's also very far away from yes. anything. Yeah. Um, I'm going to a convention the first weekend in May, or in June, I'm sorry, and I have to take a day off to travel. Yep. Mm -hmm. Then Friday, Saturday, Sunday there, and a day off to come back. Right. Yeah. And while that's only two days of vacation and I get a fair bit, it's still a long, torturous journey. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, yeah. I recently had to go to Dallas-Fort Worth for a meeting, mm -hmm. and that's a little over 500 miles one way. And you go, okay, now, if it was all directed freeway, that wouldn't be too bad. Yeah. But, but it's, it's not. not. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. You go yep. through, you have several ways to go, you get on I-20 and just take it to Monahans and come down 18 and then come down 67 or you know that's it's still going to take you uh, if you're really really lucky and you have a bladder that wants to help you can do that in about nine <laughs> hours yeah but if if you don't or and you have a stomach or anything else you can uh, make that into 10 or 12 yeah yes yeah. When my husband and I will drive to, we're actually headed to Glen Rose this Friday, um, and then we're going to keep going, and we'll be in Virginia for two weeks. My sister just had a baby. Very exciting stuff. 
but yeah i'm like we're gonna leave friday after work and that's gonna be about six hours just from here to glenrose and it's like okay we're not stopping for dinner the only bathroom breaks we're gonna take is two whenever we need to get gas in probably in fort stockton <laughs> which is not very far no. and then we um we'll stop in like um big lake i think is what it's called Big Lake, yeah. Big Lake, and then phew, we push on through. If you have to pee, that is too damn bad. That is too damn bad. That's what the coffee can is for. Yes, yep. exactly. <laughs> and it's nice because we can take turns driving, so we don't get like too exhausted. But still, it's um, we're far. We're far out here. Yeah, yeah. Alpine is far out. I made the drive from uh, Austin to Alpine um, several weeks ago, and discovered that my body was not in that sort of mood. Mm. <laughs> Uh, let's say I stopped nine times for bathroom breaks. Oh, my. Between Austin and, Sa- and Alpine. <laughs> between Austin and San Antonio, nine times. <laughs> Austin and Alpine, that, that makes more sense. Yeah, it makes a little more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some of those times, it was a little touch and go. Yes, yeah. yes. But, uh, you know, it's what we got. It's yeah. what we got. Definitely. Yep. Yep. Other people say, oh, you know, I, I like living in a small town. For the most part, I do too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if I want a Taco Bell, God forbid, um, it's three hours minimum. Yeah, yeah. not happening. No. I was craving Whataburger so bad last <laughs> night, and I just had to lay in bed. Sad. Sad that you can't get one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I talked to other people who live in small towns. I said, well, you know, it's not that far to someplace good. Or, and going, yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> in it. Alpine. I, I grew up in a town smaller, Glenrose, right? Smaller mm-hmm. than Alpine, but it's only 30 minutes to a Starbucks or a Walmart or a, all those brands, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that big of a challenge. Whereas here, it's like, three, sorry. Four hours. <laughs> yeah. If you want something, Depends you Depends on, on what you want. You either go three hours towards uh, Midland, Odessa, mm-hmm. or you go closer to four to El, El Paso, Paso. Yep. Mm-hmm. or six to San Antonio. Yeah. You know, it's nice to be centrally located. Yes. Yes, indeed. But unfortunately, just not close to anything. Yeah. No. No, it is not. <laughs> I was looking at something the other day trying to see where Alpine was in relation. It's about 1,000 miles to L.A. Whoa. It's about 1,000 miles to um, Las Vegas. Okay. It's about 1,000 miles to New Orleans. Wow. Wow. So we're centrally located. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're just... Um, you're not going to find some things easily. Right. Yep. Well, we got to wrap it up because we yeah. have a meeting we that do. we got to go to. Database digs at Database the library. Digs. Pretty fun. So we're going to wrap it up. But thank you so much for coming, yeah. Scott. This Thanks is so lot. awesome. I so good to talk with you. And Very fun. Yeah. We can do this again anytime you want. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. You'll become our third host. Well, you'll just be here every week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, but we definitely should have another episode because it feels like there's so much more we could talk about. So definitely. we could talk about science fiction or mysteries. Yeah, Even, yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. I, I love science fiction. That's my favorite genre. So we'll uh, definitely. I've been been in there a long time, and I've cool. met a lot of really cool and fun people. Yeah, have you met Arthur C. Clarke? Never met Arthur C. Okay. Clarke. I did meet Heinlein once. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know, and that's special. I spent. A good deal of time with Brian Aldiss on a couple of occasions. Okay. What about um, Ursula K. Le Guin? I never met Le Guin. I've talked to her on the phone. Well, that's more than I will ever have gotten to do. <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of those people that... I'm, I'm a Texas guy. Yeah. yeah. I don't get very far out sure. of Texas unless I have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. And, you know, Le Guin's <laughs> west coast, north northwest coast... Mm-hmm. Um, all this was England, but I got to be on a couple of panels with him, and I got cool. to help drive him from College Station to DFW with a guy. Cool. And we were, we were having a wonderful time talking. We were deep into stuff, and the guy who was driving fell asleep and tried to drive off the road into a bridge. Oh. And oh, man. We, we got him woke up <laughs> and continuing <Good>. on. <laughs> And uh, we started talking about Three's Company. Good, good, good. Something a little more engaging but for the then driver. Then we got, got to DFW and dropped uh-huh. Brian off. Okay. And I still had to go back from DFW to College Station with this oh. Aggie uh, driver. 
and he went about to let me touch his car and drive. Even though he had fallen asleep <laughs> driving his own vehicle. Yeah. Oh, my. Wow. Okay. Well, that's well, as good a note as any shit. It's up on. So <laughs> thanks for coming on the long overdue, and be sure to check us out next week. Next week, yes. I'll be looking. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>